Welcome back to another episode of Life is Full of Daisies, where we talk all things life and becoming the best versions of ourselves. I'm Daisy Ayala, and on today's episode, we are joined by Dr. Lucia Pacheco, who provides comprehensive care for women of all ages in general obstetrics and gynecology. That's a tongue twister for me. (laughs) Her clinical interests include obstetrics and high-risk pregnancies, contraceptive counseling, preventative women's health, and minimal invasive gynecologic surgery. And she is passionate about patient education and is dedicated to establishing long-lasting patient relationships while taking care of women throughout all stages of their lives. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for like joining us on, you know, this fine Saturday uh, (laughs) afternoon or midday where we're going to talk all things women. And I'm glad you actually said yes, because this is a topic that I've been wanting to cover, but I didn't know how. I was like, who am I going to ask to come on? But anyways, so this was one because a lot of my followers range from the age of 20 to 40. That's the the main range for women, or at Mm -hmm. least the the biggest uh, crowd. And I've noticed that younger girls are ashamed to talk about these things. Yeah. Whereas like people in my, their 30s, we, we don't care. Mm-hmm. Like I'm very open about talking <laughs> about it. It's like, no, you need to know your body. Because as I mentioned in my Instagram, when I was posting about questions I wanted people to ask, I mentioned that we as women have to take ownership of our own bodies so mm-hmm. that we can then know what's going on and what's not. Because every woman's different obviously but um but thank you for just joining us and you know letting me grill you on all these different topics that I have for you sure (laughs) so how did you go into OBGYN so I think the reason I like this specialty is because it's a combination of like clinic and surgery and part of that too is like the delivery of babies, which is pretty unique. You know, it's the Mm -hmm. only specialty where you get to do that. And I think the thing I like the most about it is I can see someone like as a teenager, Mm -hmm. when they're pregnant, after they're pregnant, when they go through menopause. So it's like I can have my patients for their entire lives. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, there's lots of variety in that. And I like being able to kind of have that continuity with people. So... That's why I liked it. I also, when I was in high school, I saw a C-section for the first time, and I thought it was the coolest thing I had ever seen. And so. there it goes. The flame <laughs> was started. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, ah, that's what I want to yeah, do. Yeah, I want to do that. Yeah. I mean, because that takes a lot. You know, like in my field, I deal with the mouth. Mm-hmm. And most people are like, I've had people that work in nursing or labor and delivery. And they're like, I don't know how you could do your job. And me, I'm like, I don't know how you could yeah. do your job. Yeah. <laughs> Going on the opposite <laughs> spectrum. What is one of your favorite things that you love about your job? Or more. You can give us more than um, one. I think, I mean, I really love the obstetrics part. So like delivering babies. I think it's really exciting. It's like a very special time in people's lives. Mm -hmm. And it's pretty cool that I get to do that, you know, pretty regularly. Um, So that's probably one of the top things. And then I don't know, I think another thing too, like just kind of getting to in private practice, I have my own patients. And so I get to see them throughout their entire pregnancy. Mm -hmm. And that is that I think is also like one of my favorite things, because it's not like I'm just going in and doing a a delivery or a C-section, it's like I'm following you from the very beginning, from the first ultrasound to like having the baby to after having the baby. And that's a really cool like experience to kind of be a part of. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it's rough, but uh, for the most part, like it's it's exciting, it's fulfilling. So I think that's probably my favorite. 
I think that's what, I mean, because I do know one of your patients, and she says you're amazing. You even, like, (laughs) drew a diagram for her of what's going on. (laughs) We will not disclose who that is. But she was raving about you. And, you know, as people that are, like, your friends, I'm sure they're kind of like, I don't know if I want her looking at me down there. It's it's, same thing with, like, my friends. Sometimes they don't want to come to me as as to provide care for them because they're like, I don't want you to look at this. You might look at me different. I was like, I'm at work. It's like I have my provider hat on. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, this is a question that I thought of the other day randomly, actually, Mm -hmm. and I forgot to write it down. But now that I think about it, Mm -hmm. what is something that you appreciate or things that you appreciate as an OBGYN that your patients do for like you? So something I appreciate, like I appreciate when people come in and they like bring questions Mm -hmm. because... I think especially now with like a lot of social media and everything's on Instagram or TikTok, you can get a lot of information from people who really don't know what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. And so I I appreciate when patients come to me and they feel comfortable like bringing their list of questions. Like these are the things that I've seen or I've heard or I'm curious about. What do you think about it? And I think that's really important because when you're – you know, your health is important. Mm -hmm. And when you're trying to decide like what birth control to be on or, you know – a million different things like I think it's good to like go to the doctor kind of like be proactive of what you want to learn and take advantage of that because you know I've studied this it's like my specialty mm-hmm. you know the information that I'm going to give you is going to come from good sources mm-hmm. um, and so I really appreciate when people come in and do that and then if you don't have questions or you have no idea I also appreciate when they're like I know nothing about birth control tell me all about it you know, mm-hmm. so there's like two parts of that. But I think it's instead of going with like, I'm just going to go to the doctor and they're just going to tell me what to do, which, you know, there's a part of that, too. But I appreciate when they come in and they're like curious and they want to learn. And I think that's important for your overall health. Mm-hmm. So I also appreciate it when they refer patients to me. <laughs> so hey, that's, that's the biggest compliment. They don't hate it. So. <laughs> right. You're like, just go to her. She'll yeah. take care of you. But like, where do you actually practice being an OBGYN? Like, where's your practice at? So I'm part of a group. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called OBGYN Medical Center Associates. And mm-hmm. we're, um, we're like right next to Women's Hospital of Texas. Oh. So Med Center-ish. Yeah. Um, and so basically, we're a big group practice. And then, you know, you just like come to see me in the office. I have an office at Fannin and then I see patients like half a day on Shepherd and Washington, which is uh, oh, really convenient. Yeah. yeah Cause it's close to the Heights. Um, you don't have to pay for parking. It's no. just like way better than the med center. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's, that's pretty much like where I, and then all of my deliveries and all that are at women's hospital. Oh, okay. That's yeah. good to know. I'm yeah. like, you mentioned Washington and Shepherd. That's like close to me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a great location. And a lot of the people from my group will also see patients there. Oh, okay. So, yeah, it's it's pretty convenient. That's really nice to know. Mm-hmm. So now I want to get into the grueling questions that my uh-huh. followers have asked. One of the first ones is, does it even matter if you come in waxed, shaved, whatever? Does that matter to you? Like, do you go into the office if if you've been waxed or shaved? No, like um, some women are always like, oh, I got to clean down there and I got to shave and wax and all that because they're embarrassed. But it's like they're an OBGYN. They see it all. Yeah. No, it it absolutely does not matter. I I actually have gotten that quite a bit where people are like, oh, I'm sorry. Like I didn't shave. It's like you never have to be sorry about whether you shave or you don't shave or you wax or you didn't wax. Like I'm just here to like take care of you Mm -hmm. and I have seen it all and it really it doesn't matter like at at all 
So you don't have to like prep in any way if if that's not something that you routinely do. Yeah. You don't have to do it specifically for your OB-GYN. Does it does it matter though like when you have a patient that's not that's waxed versus not waxed does it help you see things a little bit better as far as like the tissue in the skin if there's any kind of rashes or anything like that? Um not re- I mean obviously if you have less hair it's easier but I mean we we get up in there, so you know, you yeah. know what you're looking for. So, we can move <laughs> stuff around if we need to. You uh, know? That's good to know. Yeah, but no, it, I wouldn't. I wouldn't stress about that at all. Yeah. I, I feel like it's one of those things, like when you have like your, uh, you know, your cleaning lady come to your house. It's like you have to pre-clean, right? Because you don't want them to judge you. <laughs> So it's the same thing, like, or when people come to me, they feel like they have to floss aggressively because they haven't flossed in like six months. And then it's like, you made it worse. Yeah. No. This question, does it matter if you're on your cycle or your period, like your actual period when you're due for like your pap smear, that sort of thing? Or is it better that you're not on your period? Um, it, that does kind of matter. I mean, it would be best if you weren't, but I think the biggest thing is if you are coming for your well woman exam and it's, you're due for your pap. Um, if you, it's either like the first day of your period, it's like very light or it's the end. Mm-hmm. That would be better. If you're on your heaviest cycle, a lot of times, um, we can't, like we could do the pap, but then we're not going to get a result because there's just going to be blood. Yeah. So, but sometimes, you know, you, you booked your appointment like months out. You yeah. weren't expecting it. Usually if it's if it's pretty light bleeding, we can we can take Manage. care of it. Yeah. But if it's super heavy, I would recommend rescheduling. Gotcha. Yeah. That's good to know. Yeah. Because I've been where they've told me or they my gyno, she told tells me like, you know, make sure before I even come in, she's like, make sure if you are going to be on your cycle, you said, she says, be on the lightest days. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, like, it's easy because I'm pretty regular. But mm-hmm. then there's other women, you know, that I know, friends of mine, they're like, I don't even know when my cycle comes. Mm-hmm. Like, it just randomly comes. And I was like, um, you should get that checked out. Yeah. That's not healthy. <laughs> just saying, just saying. Okay. Actually, what, when you go in, because maybe some women that are listening haven't actually had a true, like, uh, exam like will women's examine um, pap smear but what actually does that involve that's a great question because I get a lot of people who yeah they don't know or when they call the office they've been told hey I'm having this problem and then the front desk will be like well let's just schedule you for a well woman exam so a well woman exam is like your yearly physical but for women so what that means is you don't actually have a problem it's just your preventative health mm-hmm. visit and so what a well woman entails is usually depending on your some variations you know based on age but for the most part um, we do a breast exam we do a pelvic exam and this is something that I think is important for people to know everybody assumes that if you have a pelvic exam you are getting a pap smear and it's not the same thing mm. so a, when we do a pelvic exam it means like the speculum which is like that metal duct Bill-looking oh, thing. that thing that's very uncomfortable when I usually say, man, can you at least give me a drink before yeah. you go in there like that? <laughs> yeah. That's that's my mind thinking <laughs> whenever that happens. Yeah. So that's a pelvic exam. So that's essentially where like we are like going in, we're mm-hmm. looking inside of your vagina, we are looking at your cervix. And there's a lot of different things that we can do in a pelvic exam. It's not necessarily a pap smear. Mm-hmm. And so it involves a pelvic exam. Every single time. Mm-hmm. Again, so there are some exceptions to like age. Um, but then we kind of go over just like general, like any medical problems, like, you know, 
it, are you like do you smoke like healthy life habits yeah. it's kind of like preventative health std testing um, depending on your OBGYN, sometimes we can do like your routine blood work mm-hmm. um, usually if you're if you're younger and you don't really have any medical problems, you might not have a PCP, then sometimes I can do like basic blood work for you mm-hmm. since I might be the only person you see mm-hmm. once a year. Usually once you're 40 and up, I usually recommend get a PCP mm-hmm. because that's when, you know, some things start to pop up and you don't really want an OBGYN managing your cholesterol. You know what I mean? Um, that's true. There's so. different doctors for different things, <laughs> yeah. y'all. <laughs> Yeah, but um, so that's essentially a well woman. It's just like kind of like a preventative. Let's just make sure everything's good. Let's make sure we're up to date with all of our testing. If you're over the age of 40, we do mammograms or we order it. So that's what that is. And like you're going to get an exam every well woman, but Mm -hmm. it just might not necessarily be like a pap smear. It could be STD testing. It could be a lot of different things. Yeah, because I've had... uh... I mean, I'll share it. My my followers know me at this point, uh-huh. but they always ask about the STD, and mm-hmm. so this is also another thing that I learned. I think my last year when I had my well women's is like you don't necessarily have to have um, a Pap smear every single mm-hmm. year, correct? Yeah. Um, what is the rule? How do y'all decide who needs one every year versus who can skip it? So. In general, um, you start pap smears at the age of 21. Okay. Okay, really regardless of sexual activity, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, so you start at 21. If And the from 21 to 30, it's every three years. Okay. This is assuming you have normal pap smears. Mm-hmm. If you have an abnormal pap smear, the screening changes. Yeah. And so, but the standard is every three years, and then after the age of 30, we do a pap smear and an HPV test. Mm-hmm. And if that's normal, then you get it every five years. Okay. But... I think the most important thing is, like, yes, you don't necessarily need to pap smear every year, but you do need to be seen by your OB-GYN every year because okay. there are a lot of things that can change, you mm-hmm. know, and part of doing the pelvic exam is us looking. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, you might not be due. Maybe last year your pap was normal and, you know, technically you're not due for one. But if I go in there and I see something that's mm-hmm. concerning, then you know, at least it's getting addressed. That's true. You know, but yeah, it is true that, you know, we're not doing it every year, but it shouldn't change. Like you should still be seeing your doctor yearly because, okay. you know, there's other things that we check for too. That's true. I guess I never like looked at it. I was like, ah, oh, they said every five years. So I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And a lot of people, and that, I think that's why it's like a little bit confusing mm-hmm. because it's, it's a good thing that we don't have to do PAPS every single year. Like that comes from information data that we've obtained from papping women every single year yeah and that it turns out we don't actually have to do that but then i think it confuses people and then we don't see somebody for like five years and it's like well a lot of stuff can happen in five years Mm -hmm. um so yeah i think that's a good it's a good question to like clarify that is true but also like i want to you know because like i said we have a wide variety of listeners and especially in the age where you're dating and i think one of the things that I've told like people that I've met and we've talked about this is if you doesn't matter if you're like dating or, you know, very sexually active, who cares? Mm-hmm. You do you, mm-hmm. as I always say. But that's why it's even more important if you are sexually active, like with different partners mm-hmm. to make sure to go in and see your OBGYN to make sure there's nothing going on down yeah. there. Yeah. 
No, yeah. And and part of, you know, part of a wellness preventative health visit is STD testing. Mm -hmm. And I offer it to everybody that sees me, whether you've been married for 25 years or, you Mm -hmm. know, you have a new sexual partner every week. Like, it doesn't matter because at the end of the day, you know, you have the right to get tested Mm -hmm. and you're here. So if some people and not everybody wants to get their STD tests, but... Um, you know, it's it's just part of preventative health. And if you are sexually active, it's always good to be safe. It's true. Well, yeah. since we were discussing like sexually transmitted diseases and HPV, let's dive into HPV. Mm-hmm. And because that's been a huge topic that you've been or, I, you know, everyone sees like and then there's also like a vaccine, isn't there yeah. that you can take? So can you kind of explain like why that's important and how it's kind of it's risen in a sense as far as like how many more people have it now. Yeah. So HPV, um, it's a virus. It's the human papilloma virus. And it's really the virus that causes warts like mm-hmm. on your hands, um, on people's feet. You know, like it's just. Even in their mouth. In the I've mouth. seen them yeah, in the mouth. exactly. So and um, there's a bunch of different strains of HPV. They mm-hmm. all have a number. Mm-hmm. And um, so when we are doing uh, – so a popular – you know, a, a popular – a known STD is like genital warts. Mm-hmm. That's caused by HPV types 3 and 11 specifically. And so those that's the one that gives you like the warts. When you do pap smears, we're checking for HPV, but this is strains of HPV that specifically infect the cervix. Okay. So there's no – like symptom there's like you can't tell that you have it you mm-hmm. just have to go in to see your ob and get a pap smear and so it's extremely prevalent in the population 80 percent of people under the age of 30 will have had hpv at some point in their life i went out to a conference like a few years ago for on hpv mm-hmm. and they did a study and they found hpv under the fingernails of college-aged boy like men um yeah it, like a pretty high percentage what? so when I say that it's everywhere, it is everywhere. And you can, you know, becoming you like you can get in contact with HPV through oral sex, mm. um, despite the use of condoms, because it's like skin to skin contact. And the reason it's tricky is there's you can't test a guy, you know, to see if he has an HPV strain that's going to cause abnormal pap smears. Mm. So um, anyway, so it's everywhere. Uh, and so basically when we're doing like a pap smear, um, we are checking the cells on your cervix to see if they are normal or not. Mm-hmm. And, um, and the virus that ends up causing these abnormal pap smears or abnormal cells on your cervix is HPV. Um, and so part of, and this is, so one of the other things that HPV we know causes is cervical cancer. Mm. Um, and so HPV will infect your cervix. It starts like changing your cells mm. and eventually it's a pretty slow growing cancer which is a good thing which is why our screening is effective um, because it's not like you get HPV and you immediately have cervical cancer that's not how that works but there it's a progress and the cells can become more and more abnormal to where eventually it can become cervical cancer and so part of the pap smears and your screening is to make sure that we are if there are any abnormal cells we catch them before they turn into cancer. Um, So that's what that is. And then the vaccine, there's a Gardasil vaccine. This vaccine covers nine strains of HPV, Mm -hmm. two of the ones that cause genital warts, and then the other seven that are the most aggressive HPVs that end up causing cervical cancer. So for the longest time, the vaccine was only available for women up to the age of 26. Mm -hmm. Turns out you can get HPV after 26. (laughs) Uh, so so now um, the vaccine is actually available up until the age of 45 
and it's three shots over the course of six months and I also recommend that to everybody because even if you've already had like an abnormal pap there's so many other strains of HPV Mm -hmm. your body could clear it on its own it's hard like it's possible we don't have a way to test that for sure but Mm -hmm. that's why you get screened you know Mm -hmm. but the you know if you can get protection against genital warts and then more importantly the really aggressive strains of HPV that cause cervical cancer, that could save you a lot of headaches in the future. So um, it's something that, you know, if if your OBGYN hasn't talked to you about it, you should ask them if mm-hmm. you don't think you got it when you were younger. Nowadays, um, they're, they're trying to give it, like, between the ages of 9 and 11 for boys and girls because, you know, boys and girls get HPV. Yeah. And so the idea is to do it when you're, like, young before you've had any kind of contact. Uh, um, catch it before it exactly does it. Yeah. And it's a tricky one. I'm going to say this too, because maybe there are moms sometimes because this vaccine is against technically like an STD, some parents will decline it, um, for their kids. Cause they're like, no, like, I don't, you know, this isn't, this is going to be like an okay for them to go have sex or they're not having sex. So they don't need it. The goal is like prevention. You know, at some point they might get exposed in their lives, whether mm-hmm. it's like, in three years or in 10 years, um, and you want them to be protected against yeah. those those strains that are so prevalent. So it's it's strongly recommended by pediatricians and OBGYNs for oh. like young kids. And then now, you know, adult women up to the age of 45. Do you do that? Do you have you been giving more of the vaccine to the young adults? Yeah. Like is your majority that you're giving them young adults? Yeah. And then does this vaccine last forever? Mm-hmm. Like you only have to do the one, three just, doses? Yeah, just one series, yeah. Oh, okay. As of now, they haven't found a need to like have to give it again. Gotcha. Yeah. I'm like, I've never, I mean, I don't, nothing for me has ever come out abnormal. But I have them do all the runs. They've, yeah. checked, they've even checked for fertility and all that because yeah. I'm in that age where it's like, do I freeze my eggs? Do I not? You yeah. know, that sort of thing. So I was yeah. just like, eh. Which is a whole other headache. Yeah. (laughs) Which is a whole other series, y'all. But let's get into actual vaginal health and Mm -hmm. like the vulva because there's been, I've seen also another trend where, especially on TikTok, where there's OBGYNs that go on there and actually are trying to explain like why uh, bubble baths, why using, you know, vaginal wipes and all those different products, why they're actually not good for you Mm -hmm. and how this is a cool fact that I learned and you might clarify it for us Mm -hmm. is um, that the uh, vagina is actually Mm self-cleaning, which I was like, wait, what? Yeah. I thought we had a clean down there, like with a sponge or some special soap and all this. I'm just like, you mean I'm not supposed to do any of that? (laughs) So go into like, what is the proper way to take care of your vaginal area? Yeah. So in general, I mean, there's a, there's a little bit of, I think there's like maybe two extremes to this. One extreme is like, you have to use all of these special vaginal area cleansers and wipes and all that stuff. And a lot of those products that you find like at pharmacies and stuff, they have a lot of like, they have scents, they have alcohols, they have irritants in Mm -hmm. them. Um, And at the end of the day, you don't need something special to clean the vulvar vaginal area. And then the other extreme is like, you don't clean it at all. And you do have to clean that area because you have a lot of like sweat. Yeah. And it, you know, the vaginal vulvar hygiene is important. I what I usually recommend um, to my patients is just like whatever and and also it can be very different depending on the person like some people have extremely sensitive skin yeah um, so they have to be very cautious with what kind of soaps they're using um, what kind of cleansers they're using so 
a lot of it, for the most part, I don't think you could ever go wrong with going for the most neutral, like soap or cleanser without added scents, without added like alcohol, yeah. stuff like that. Um, but, you know, for the most part, you just like, you know, soap and water um, or like a some people will like some people who have very sensitive skin have to use like special cleansers like mm-hmm. CeraVe or, you know, like yeah. the really neutral ones. But just like, you know, once a day, like when you shower is enough like and and a lot of it is just mainly on the outside. Mm-hmm. You don't need to be putting anything inside of your vagina. <laughs> um, and so that is the part like so the douches. Yeah. For a long time it was like you need to clean it. And that actually disrupts the natural like balance, the pH of mm-hmm. your vagina. Mm-hmm. And the vagina has a lot of normal like bacteria and yeast that live there. Yeah. And it kind of maintains the healthy environment. And yeah. whenever that environment is disrupted – um, that's when you can have, you know, like vaginal infections or abnormal discharge and stuff uh. like that. Um, and so these cleansers and like douches, what they'll do is they can kill off some of that good bacteria mm. and then another one will overgrow it and then that disrupts. Gotcha. So that's why you really like it's not it's never it's never been recommended to do any kind of douching or any kind of excessive cleaning um, because you don't want to essentially throw off the natural flora. Uh, of yeah. that area is it like the microbiome of the vaginal area yeah yeah that's exactly what it is i mean this microbiome it's been a new trending uh yeah. topic yeah and like, and with that you know there's a lot of talk of like probiotics and vaginal health technically there's not a lot of good data that shows that taking probiotics is going to cause like make any difference in your vaginal ph mm-hmm. um but for me personally and like, you know, when I have patients who have a lot of issues with recurrent vaginitis or um, they have a lot of irritation problems, you know, if you find a probiotic that works for you, I mm-hmm. mean, it's one of those things like if it's going to help, it would be great and it's not really going to harm you in any way. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm pretty open to like if you want to try it or you find something that you think works for you, then that's great as long as it's not harmful. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, that's that's another like big it topic. is because everybody's yeah. always like telling you about the, these probiotics, prebiotics, all these things, especially with gut health being also another huge trend right now. Yeah. Um, but then they also add the whole it's for your vaginal or your yeah. vagina yeah. microbiome. And I'm like, what? Yeah. It's getting too complicated to be yeah. a woman here. Yeah. But I think in general, it's like just kind of let it be like yeah. let your vagina do its thing and you don't need to be like adding sense to it. There's a actually an OBGYN. She also is a specialist in vulvar like disorders and vulvar health. Her name's mm-hmm. Dr. Jen Gunter. Mm-hmm. She has an she's very active on Instagram. Oh, okay. And I really like her page because she talks a lot about like how to clean your vulva and mm-hmm. um, and like the just vaginal health. Um, she also talks a lot about menopause. And it this is stuff that's like evidence based. Like this is what she does for a living. Mm-hmm. This is not you know, some influencer who decided, yeah. you know, she knew about probiotics or whatever, you <laughs> She's know, pushing it on everybody. Yeah. Else. So if, if that's something that like people are interested in, I would definitely recommend following her on Instagram because she's pretty helpful. Okay. I'll definitely yeah. be tagging her so that people know to go yeah. on her page and research. Yeah. 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 Taking all the information. Yeah. So then since we were talking about the vaginal area, okay. Bubble baths. Yeah. Is that a yay or a nay? It depends. So um, in general, like anything that's going to kind of maintain like moisture Mm -hmm. in the vulvar vaginal area could predispose you to having some kind of disruption. 
right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. then it could cause like, you know, bacterial vaginosis or a yeast infection or something like that. But it's very person dependent. There are some women who cannot take bubble baths. Like if they do take a bubble bath, they will get bacterial vaginosis without fail. Mm-hmm. For those people, yeah, sorry, bubble baths are not going to be for you. There are other people who take a bubble bath every single day and they've never had any kind of disruption mm. in their vaginal flora. So, yeah, you can continue taking your bubble baths. Oh. So it really is like person dependent. If you see that taking a bubble bath and whatever soap you use cause some kind of irritation, then you might just have to stick to showers. Oh, okay. But it it's really like, yeah, it's really person dependent. I'm just, I've always been opposed to bubble baths because it's like you're sitting in your own filth in a sense. Oh, yeah. That's just, it's like you have to shower first, wash off the day, and then get in the bubble. I don't know. That's just me and my brain and how I work. But, you know, you do you again. Yeah. Here's another thing. Um, What about, there's people that, you know, there's natural discharge that comes out Mm -hmm. as your cycle, you know, as your hormones are getting ready for your cycle to start. What some people are like, I hate that. So they tend to wear a lot of liners. But Mm -hmm. I've read a while back that that because I used to be like, I didn't like I would wear liners, but I read um, or I might have asked my gynecologist about it. But the reading said to not wear the liners all the time. Because it could cause inflammation or irritation. It could cause irritation, yeah. Um, I think, you know, if you just have like regular discharge, um, I don't think it necessarily requires a liner. Mm -hmm. Some people prefer that. Again, it's really like, it's really person dependent Mm -hmm. because there are people who do wear liners every single day. They've never had an issue. They don't Mm -hmm. have any irritation. It doesn't cause any problems. And then there are other people who, you know, depending on what's in the liner, like that can Mm -hmm. cause some kind of allergic reaction or irritation to your vulvar area. So do I think that you have to wear a liner every single day? No. And if you feel like the discharge is that heavy to where you're filling up a liner every day then maybe you should go see your ob mm-hmm. because you know maybe you have something else going on mm-hmm. but for the most part like just the physiologic discharge if it makes you more comfortable to wear a liner and it's not irritating you in any way mm-hmm. then i don't see how it's you know it could be harmful but if you're struggling with irritation it's mm-hmm. probably something that you're but- doing that we need to switch up Oh, that's true. Yeah. So I guess it's, I mean, it all comes down to like it being patient to patient. Yeah, it really is like, and you know, I think that is something that people kind of forget, like, Mm -hmm. because it's like everybody, everybody is different. Mm -hmm. Everybody has different like sensitivities to things. Like, you know, there are people who they can only wear cotton underwear because if they wear any other kind of underwear, like it will cause irritation or, and it's not for like, you know, it's not just universal. Same with birth control, same with everything that we do. It, there's something for everybody. So it's a matter of like going to your healthcare provider, bringing up what your symptoms are, what your concerns are, and figuring out like what is it, you know, if you are struggling with a lot of vaginal infections, what are you doing that could be like causing all like of it. irritating it and it can be all kinds of things like what laundry detergent you're using True. soaps millions of things yeah so just go in and ask questions and yeah. figure it out <laughs> <laughs> so the, another one was i mean we talked about like washes but what about like all the feminine wipes that you see that are out there yeah i think it's it the same like the same thing applies i don't i think a lot of this stuff is really just like to make money. Mm -hmm. Um, You don't need a special wipe for your vaginal area. You don't need to have a particular scent in the vaginal area. Like the area is what it is. There are certain situations where I think a lot of it, there's a lot of push of like, you have to always smell good. Mm -hmm. And that, Mm -hmm. you know, and that goes into this whole, like, do we see the same products for men? 
because we don't. Mm -mm. So it's kind of one of those things. And this goes back to like historical, like just always having to be clean and, and you do have to be clean, but that doesn't mean you have to smell like flowers either, you know? And so these products that are like scented and, you know, they end up causing more irritation Mm -hmm. than any kind of benefit. Mm -hmm. So as long as you are, you know, just like, keeping it clean, I don't think that you need to be using like, you know, special wipes for that area. Yeah. Unless you find that, unless you are one of those people who has very sensitive skin or something, and these are the wipes that help you, you know, but for the most part, I mean, it's just pretty basic soap and water. Like just keep it clean. And that's it. Relatively clean. Yeah. Cause and even then, like, but I've been on this big push of like just using cleaner products. Oh yeah. Getting rid of anything that has perfumes is actually not good for your, cause it can be a hormone disruptor. Uh So that's just me. That's kind of how I look at it. Anything that has a perfume in it, I don't use it. Yeah. It has to be like a natural oil, like essential oil if they put it in or whatever. That's just kind of my rule of thumb. Yeah, yeah. And I think too, like perfumed things tend to have a lot of alcohol. Alcohol can be very drying. Mm -hmm. um, And so that can cause irritation too. So, yeah. Well, there you go, y'all. Yeah. So figure your body out. Figure out what works for you. (laughs) So I had somebody else ask me about this. Uh, Tampons, well, there's this huge debate about tampons having the titanium dioxide debacle. And then, um, you know, some people were saying, do not use these. And then they were pushing like the all cotton, you know, whatever. Does that really even matter? No. And and honestly, um, I actually just saw this the OBGYN that I just told Dr. Jen Gunter, she posted like a debunk um, post of this guy who does a lot of like healthy foods on Instagram. And he posted about how terrible it is, how it's like, and um, I haven't really done like my own personal, like, I don't know. I haven't looked this up. Yeah. Um, But a lot of these things, like if you are, if they are in a product, they're in, they're actually, it's found in lots of products and in the use of a tampon, it's not going to cause like reproductive health harm. So I think in general, like, you know, there is a bigger push of being more conscious of like what's in the products, Mm -hmm. but just because a product, you know, if you were to consume it by mouth is dangerous, it's not necessarily like the same as if it's just one of the ingredients of the component of something that you put in and then take out, Mm. you know, that you're not like actually absorbing or, Mm, um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of tricky from, I'm going to go with what this OBGYN Mm -hmm. said and like, she just I, I literally just saw the post today that mm-hmm. it's not accurate. Oh. So it's it's fine to yeah. use it. I mean, like I said, it's so easy to get into that, you know, wormhole of, oh, this is toxic for me. I'm going to stop using it. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden you go and use because I fell into that because it's like, oh, my gosh, this is harmful for me. And but it's funny, like I went out and bought like the healthier option of like those full full cotton, which, by the way, I did not like those were actually a little bit more painful, Mm -hmm. to be honest. And um, they're not designed very well as far as how you insert them. Mm -hmm. But then literally after my cycle had ended, I saw a post and it was another um, OBGYN actually debunking that. And they're like, well, there's no actual real studies or anything stating that it would cause it's so minimal that it's not the same so i was like okay i'll go back to the ones i was using yeah i was happy with yeah i think you know i kind of fell for that too there's this person that i started following on instagram that talked about like you know all of the different things in your food and how all of these oils are terrible and inflammatory and and there's a lot of um and at first i was like oh my god like i'm eating a bunch of garbage Mm -hmm. but then um 
you know, with and with everything, and it's it the same thing applies to like women's health. This is one person from like one aspect, and like what is his background? Not yeah. nutrition, and um, you know, like a lot of things can be taken out of context. Mm-hmm. You know, so. I think it's important to kind of like if you are going to follow these people to then also look for the opposite mm-hmm. and do some comparison and see like, you know, find the med- the middle ground because there's a lot of like fear that yep. they're instilling in you mm-hmm. on things that like really are, are not that bad, you know, like, yeah. so I don't know. Yeah, it's it's tricky. Yeah, it is a tricky like area where you're to, just like, oh, I got. yeah. And also, I always look up their credentials. Like, I'll go in and like deep dive, like look at see their website or whatever Instagram and what their actual credentials are, and if this is the area of field that they're studying and exactly. they've had a lot of experience on. And if they don't, and they're just like blurbing out, you know, random facts, mm-hmm. it's like, mm, okay, yeah, yeah. All right, so then let's get into what is normal. For as far as like, okay, there's different fluids. I think a lot of people freak out, especially young women. Mm -hmm. Because even when I was younger, like nobody ever really explained to me until I started going to see an OBGYN. And about there's different fluids that happen like when you're ovulating versus when your cycle's about to start, that sort of thing. Like, Mm -hmm. can you explain what typically is normal? So normal, like if you are not on any kind of like birth control, Mm-hmm. then yeah your your discharge can change and around normally it changes around the time of ovulation mm-hmm. so for, for for people who do like fertility awareness methods sometimes they will it, it's not as common now but they would like check the consistency of their cervical mucus and um it can change it can become it can be like a little bit thicker and mm-hmm. then normally around ovulation time it gets a little thinner mm-hmm. um, but like variations in the discharge throughout your cycle is normal mm-hmm. um, your discharge after your period can sometimes also be like a little bit different and and the variations are okay what is not normal mm-hmm. is if you're having like if it's itchy um, if it's like thick or like white if it's causing any kind of like irritation if you feel like you're irritated down there or it's burning that's not normal mm-hmm. um and then the other one is like if it's if you feel like there's an increase in your normal amount of discharge like all of a sudden you're having you're noticing a lot more discharge mm-hmm. like on your underwear when you wipe it can be kind of like grayish it can smell bad like mm-hmm. if it all of a sudden you're having this odor that is not your typical odor, those are reasons to come see mm-hmm. me. That's pretty much the normal fluctuation. Now, if you have, if you're on birth control, the discharge is going to change mm-hmm. and that's also normal. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something to also like take into account. If you're on birth control, you're not ovulating anymore. So your discharge is going to change. You're not going to have those, those like changes, like, you know, cyclical changes in the month. Mm-hmm. Um, it might be like less, it might be just the same the whole time. Mm-hmm. If you have an IUD, your, your discharge, if you even notice it is going to be a lot thicker. Mm-hmm. And that is part of how we prevent you from getting pregnant. Yeah. The cervical mucus gets thicker, so it helps block sperm. Yeah. So, you know, it, like there's lots of different things that can that can change it. I think something that's important is kind of like paying attention to what your normal is so mm-hmm. that if there was ever a change in that, like if normally you have X amount, like you may notice minimal amount on your underwear, and then now all of a sudden you're having like a lot more mm-hmm. to go be seen for that uh, kind of thing. Yeah. Because it should it should never bother you. It should just be kind of like, oh, it okay, should just it's be there. there. Yeah. But if it's ever like 
it's irritating, it's itchy, it smells weird. Sometimes it can have a different color. Yeah. Those are things you want to be kind of aware of. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah. And also, okay, we'll talk about birth controls in a minute, but mm. I want you to kind of go over briefly like the different, I guess, do you, I guess you still kind of have the same cycle or like stages of the cycle with birth control without the ovulation phase or no? Am I wrong? No. I don't know so, how this works. Well, it depends on what your birth, con- it depends on what birth control method you're using. Oh God, it's complex. It's yeah. a lot more complex than yeah, I thought. Yeah, it is. So um, like for example, a birth control pill, um, and this is something actually that I talk to my patients about all the time. Mm-hmm. A birth control pill, you end up having a week off, depending on which like pill you're using, you'll have a few days off where you'll have a period, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. It's not a real period because mm-hmm. you didn't ovulate. So that was actually put into birth control pills as a marketing strategy because it would make it seem like it was more natural so people were more willing to do it because everybody thinks that if you don't have a period, it's not normal or like it's building up inside of you and it has nowhere to go. And that's not accurate if you are on some kind of hormonal contraception. So oh. like if if you are not on any medications at all and you don't have a period every month or every 25 to 35 days, mm-hmm. that's not normal and you do need to see somebody. But if you're on a birth control pill and you're giving yourself a period every three months, that's fine. If you have an IUD and you don't bleed for seven years, that's fine. That means it's working. Oh. But that blood is not accumulating anywhere. It's just not even accumulating where does it come from then like how does or is whenever you i guess because i haven't taken birth control in quite a while Uh so i don't really know honestly the differences or anything like that i kind of just like and i have my personal reasons for that because i was diagnosed with pcos a while back and Uh it's taken me and it just threw a lot of things off for Uh me so i kind of went on this health journey where i just try to figure out and just regulate my body again Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. that was my personal choice but Mm -hmm. i guess i just didn't understand like but where so when you're on birth control, when What's you actually happening? bleed, where do, <laughs> what is it? What is it? Like, yeah. So pretty much. Um, so if we go back to just basics of like the menstrual cycle, every month your body kind of like is prepping mm-hmm. to receive a pregnancy. Yeah. Okay. And so the there's you know the hormones which we're not going to get into, but basically it's like a cyclical thing that mm-hmm. happens between your brain and your ovaries and your uterus, and pretty much like every month your body's like prepping mm-hmm. to get pregnant essentially. And so when you ovulate, the egg is released and it kind of hangs around for a little bit. And when it doesn't get fertilized, mm-hmm. that sends a signal. And the way I usually describe it is like, hey guys, we're not pregnant this month. So it's like, okay, so. There and and basically what it means is like the inside of the uterus, like the lining, mm-hmm. is getting built up to prepare for the pregnancy. That's what's happening. Mm-hmm. And when you're not pregnant, then it's like, all right, we're not. Let's shed it. Ah. And that's what you're shedding is the inner lining of your uterus, the endometrium, that has been prepped and it wasn't needed. Mm-hmm. So that's what that's what happens in a regular menstrual cycle. Yeah. Right. So when you're on birth control, the pill. The hormone in the pill is going to, instead of you having these ups and downs, which are part of the normal cycle, mm-hmm. now the pill is going to stabilize that. Oh. And um, it's going to, basically, it's going to shut off those signals that are coming like from your brain to your ovaries. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to have that buildup. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're not going to have the ovulation part. Yeah. 
So, and then when you are off of the hormonal pills, it's what we call a withdrawal bleed. And so basically it's from that drop in the hormones because you just stopped taking the pill, then what the little bit that was able to build up, that's what you shed. And that's how you end up having a much lighter period. It's like for people uh, who have very, yeah. very heavy periods, yeah. for people who have painful periods, um, that's why birth control can be very helpful because it's it's blocking that whole process that for some women causes a lot of um, problems. Mm-hmm. Um, so that withdrawal bleed that you have is not really shedding of it. You are shedding the endometrium, but it's significantly less. It's, it's not enough to, you know, host a pregnancy. Yeah. Um, so that's how that works. And you're not ovulating. Oh, okay. Yeah. Versus like the IUD, yeah. with the IUD, you do continue to ovulate. The IUD, the device, um, has the hormone on it, like Mm -hmm. on the device. So the hormone is really working locally. Mm -hmm. It's not like a pill. You're absorbing it systemically and it's shutting down these signals. With the IUD, it's really just working inside of the uterus. So the progesterone on the device is keeping your lining thin. It's blocking it from building up. Okay. Um, It thickens the cervical mucus. So there, it works in other ways, but you are still ovulating once a month that's not changing Mm -hmm. it's just the egg and the sperm can't get together Mm -hmm. yeah and they're and the environment in the uterus is not conducive to implantation oh so it it can't happen um so it depending on the birth control method you know it it work they work in different ways oh okay so that's why it can be kind of different and so there are people who have to be on continuous birth control pills Mm -hmm. because they just they don't want any withdrawal bleeds at all. And so, you know, you can be on that. Mm-hmm. Um, there are people who like to have a period every three months. Um, just, I mean, because if you're not trying to get pregnant, you don't really have to have a period, right? Really? Yeah. That was my next question is like, so, because there's, I interviewed um, someone like in the first year of this podcast. Her name is the period guru. And she is highly against birth controls because mm-hmm. they mess up with your body and your natural hormones. And the only one that she did recommend if you have to get on it was like a copper IUD. Yeah, that's because there's no hormone on the copper IUD. Okay, so how does that type of birth control work? So the copper IUD, it's it actually causes kind of like an inflammatory reaction inside of your uterus. Mm. Um, and so it makes the environment, it like essentially will kill the sperm. So one of the things with, and you know, for some women, the copper IUD is the route they want to like take and that's fine. Yeah. But there are some people who cannot have a copper IUD because the copper IUD, since there's no hormone and it is kind of inflammatory, um, it can cause like heavier periods, more painful periods. Mm. Um, So if you already have that problem, if I put a copper IUD in you, like you will be 10 times worse. Oh, okay. Um, And so, yes, it's very effective in preventing pregnancy, but it's not going to help with your cycle in any way. And so, and that's okay. Some people don't need any help with their cycle. They want to just continue to have their cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it it can make it a little bit worse. So that's how that one prevents pregnancy. But oh. I think one of, I think that's one of the top like misconceptions is like all birth control is bad and all hormones mm-hmm. are bad. And at the end of the day, like it's actually one of the medications that we use the most for multiple reasons, not just preventing pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Um, there are women who have medical conditions that need like require some kind of hormonal contraception and birth control and it's because their 
cycle is off mm-hmm. and it needs to be regulated. Birth control, if you have conditions like PCOS mm-hmm. or endometriosis, things like that, birth control is not going to cure that. Mm-mm. But it will it will manage it during a time where you might not like you're not looking to get pregnant. Mm-hmm. Birth control in women with PCOS who have irregular cycles is one of the top ways that we prevent these women from getting uterine cancer. Um, mm-hmm. I've diagnosed uterine cancer in a 28-year-old. She was having periods every like six months or longer. Oh, wow. So if she would have been on birth control, that periodic Ooh. like prevention of this excessive buildup of the lining of the uterus oh. could have per- for like you know potentially preserved her yeah. uterus you know and now she has uterine cancer and we have to take it out and she can't have kids kids at all yeah oh. so i think you know that's why i think it's important like i mentioned at the beginning is like if there are things that you're concerned about or you've heard of like bring that list and bring it to your doctor and mm-hmm. like it doesn't have to be necessarily a well woman exam like schedule a separate appointment to talk about birth control yeah um because it it's really much more complex than people like make it out to be and there are certain situations where being on a pill might actually like save your life and your reproductive abilities yeah um and you know and there are some people who never need it and that's great too you know yeah but i think it's it, it definitely gets a bad rap and uh it's I think that's one of the things I have to like kind of struggle with the most, like deal with the most in the office is mm-hmm. kind of like changing that perception mm-hmm. um, and realizing that there are, there's a million different kinds of birth control. They all have different mechanisms of action. They have different purposes. There's some birth control that is not going to work for some people mm-hmm. and there are others that can be like very beneficial. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's really just a matter of figuring out like what, what is it that we're dealing with, oh. you know? Yeah, yeah. Because you know, I, like I said, I I've been under that impression that like birth control is bad because it just disrupts everything. And luckily, I through diet, exercise, all of that, I've managed to get you know I got my cycle back, and yeah, it's very regular. Like I know I know my body. Yeah, I know it. Yeah, and um, but I've debated on that because it's like when you start dating someone seriously, obviously you're going to be intimate. Let's mm-hmm. be real y'all. Yeah. I don't want to get pregnant right away. Yeah. I really don't. But that's yeah. why I said I keep track of my body and I know the fluids and everything. And I yeah. know when I'm ovulating. So right. don't touch me at yeah. all. Yeah. But I guess maybe I need to have that conversation about. Well, but I think it's, you know, that's one of those things where it's like, if you can do that because you have such a regular cycle and, and you have, are able to track then that's great. Like you can use that method mm-hmm. plus, you know, withdrawal method, which is pulling out basically, which by the way mm-hmm. is like 75% effective. So I do not recommend nope. it as the No, no pull pure. and pray. Okay. Yeah. But like a combination of monitoring your cycle, using a condom and pulling out, for example. Yeah. And if you do those three things and you're able to do it because your cycle is regular enough, yeah. then that's great. I mean, I'm not saying do both and withdraw. Like, you definitely need a condom. Oh, yeah. But if you can do a combination of those things, then that's amazing. Then you don't need to be on birth control if your cycles are regular. You're yeah. You're happy with that. But there are people who don't have as regular of cycles. Oh, um, okay. And so, you know, if if that's not an option and you don't want to get pregnant, then, you know, you may want to look into something Mm. different. Yeah. And this wraps up this week's episode of Life is Full of Daisies. Y'all, it has been another amazing episode. I truly hope that you are enjoying this so far because this is a topic that a lot of people don't like to talk about. It's cringy. And honestly, it's something that we need to talk about because as women, we have to take ownership of our own body. Every 
person, every individual is so different. We have to make sure that we are taking care of ourselves. And one, the only way you can do that is by going and seeking the advice of an actual professional like Dr. Lucia Pacheco, who has given us so much wealth just in this part one of this episode of her interview. But also every person is different and you may need different treatment. What works for me might not work for you and vice versa. So I highly encourage you if you have not gone to do your well women's exam to go and schedule that before the end of the year that way you at least have the information i don't think you should be afraid especially if you know find someone that one has been highly recommended by some of your friends colleagues whomever and two or or reach out to dr pacheco to actually um do an exam with her as you heard she has many different locations that she is coming um and is is going to um and she's very knowledgeable and so i encourage you all to do that for yourself for this year because intervention is the best prevention and the only way we as women can take our own power back and empower ourselves is by knowing what is going on within our body and ignoring it isn't going to make it better so i also encourage you to really understand your body and get to know what's going on and and do what's best for you depending on what's going on with you individually. But that's why we did this episode to debunk a lot of those myths and no one should shame anyone for whatever they decide to do or take. Simply doing what's best for your body and your health. So y'all, I truly hope that you've been enjoying it so far. And the reason why it is two part because this interview actually went on for over an hour and a half so there's definitely quite a bit of information and you know how I feel about episodes that are longer than 60 minutes okay I feel a certain type of way and I would not put y'all to through that so that is why we split this episode up to allow y'all to take in all this information and then we'll be back next week with part two so you can have the rest of the information and if you, like I said, want to reach out to Dr. Pacheco. I will be sharing her um, information for her office so you can actually make an appointment with her um, and be taken care of. But as always, y'all, I hope you all are enjoying it. I hope you are having fun. And I hope that this is bringing some value to you, whether it's helping one person or many. Share this episode, especially with the women, because I truly believe that we have to um, take ownership of our own bodies. And so just share this episode with anyone that you think would greatly benefit from it. And as always, y'all, thank you so much for listening in. If you do not already do so, go follow us on Life is Full of Daisies on Instagram where you can DM me. Also, that's where I post a lot more content in my daily in, in, in and outs. And I share a lot more things on there. And also, you can email me there or you can dm me but you can also email me at hello daisy at gmail.com that is h-e-l-l-o-d-e-i-s-s-y at gmail.com where you can just give me any feedback or if you have any more questions and you just want answers or advice i'm more than happy to be that for you so just email me and also if you are loving this content this type of episode please go and rate us a five-star review on Spotify or Apple um, because those things help us continue to create a bigger audience and reach a bigger platform. But also, if you loved a certain thing, you want to leave a comment or review, go leave it in those platforms because, again, that helps us continue to grow. And as always, y'all, thank you so much for joining us. And I won't talk your ears off anymore because, you know, the day is short, so we got to get going. But if no one has told you today or lately, I want to remind you, you are loved, you are worthy, and you matter. So go out there and do something amazing. And don't forget to be kind along the way, especially to yourself, and do an act of kindness. Bye!